it's Brandi Taylor. Welcome to the Business Beauty Network Podcast, where business meets beauty. It's not just lipstick, it's business. We will share thought-provoking conversations with business and beauty professionals. Our goal is to empower, motivate, and inspire you to take your business to the next level. The Business Beauty Network is now on YouTube. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel at Biz Beauty Network. We plan to bring some awesome content along with bonus episodes and our weekly podcast episodes to the Biz Beauty Network YouTube channel. We hope to see you there. Hey, 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 welcome to the podcast. Happy Monday. It's a new day, a new week, and a new episode of the Business Beauty Network podcast. Welcome, welcome. I'm super, super excited to share today's episode with you. I have an awesome guest in store, and I can't wait for you guys to hear this awesome interview and conversation that I had. But before we get into that, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast wherever you're listening. Also, share the podcast as well. If you know someone who would benefit from this content, sharing is caring, so share them. We are on YouTube as well, so if you would like to watch the episodes instead of listening, you can definitely check us out over there. We're going to be uploading more of the content on YouTube this summer, so I'm looking forward to that. But we already um, have episodes on there, so you can go and subscribe and check out our channel there. And I'm super, super excited to just bring a different variety of content to you. So I really want to hear from you because I want to see like how you're loving um, the midweek beauty news episodes with Holly K, the Real Talk episodes, and the variety of content that we've been having. I would really love to get your feedback because it would be helpful to kind of see what the audience wants. Also, make sure that you leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps people to find us. A five-star review is always great. Write out a review. I want to start kind of shouting out some of the guests on the show that leave reviews. So if you leave a written review, we'll shout you out. Email me at hello at Business Beauty Network and let me know that you did that. And I will make sure that you get a t-shirt from us. Let's talk about today's guest. I had an awesome interview with Janelle Alvarado of Retail Boss. Janelle shared so many insights about what it takes to get your brand ready for retail. I think you're really going to enjoy all the awesome tips that she gave. I really had a great time talking to her. She has an event coming up this weekend, so I will leave all of the info in the show notes. Make sure that you check out her virtual conference. If you're looking to get your brand into retail, that would be great. She's going to share some information about that, but here's a little bit of her bio. Retail Boss is the largest platform connecting the retail industry for retailers, brands, and services. Founded by Janelle Alvarado, a retail expert with 10 years plus in the industry and a former senior managing director of the School of Retailing at the University of Alberta. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview and here it goes. Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's your host, Brandi Taylor. We have an awesome guest today, Janelle Alvarado. Welcome, Janelle. Hi, thank you for having me today. Thanks for being on. So Janelle, you are the retail boss. So tell us, you know, like your journey, entrepreneurial journey. How did you get in the retail industry and um, start your journey? Yeah, so first of all, uh, after finishing high school, as most young millennials, I started doing uh, retail as uh, my main job, like the first job I could actually get out of high school. So I was working at a company uh, selling fashion apparel uh, while I was attending university. So I was first year university student, 
had my, uh, you know, folding clothing, hanging clothing, trying to sell to uh, all these people. And yeah, I think after that, I found that retail is either something that you love or hate, uh, especially when you're doing it as just something that you're just doing just to get by, to be honest. Um, after I worked there for a while, I realized, hey, I'm actually pretty good at selling. I was, you know, top selling uh, in that area. Um, and I was pretty shocked because I was just part time. I didn't really think I had many skills. So that was kind of the first uh, place where I realized, wow, OK, I have a skill in something at least. Um, after doing that, I continued. I later became a beauty uh, consultant. Um, mainly working with uh, beauty brands um, that was, again, still on the sales floor, selling uh, different kind of cosmetics. So I did fashion, then I did beauty, all while I was still in university. Uh, upon finishing university, I was hired at uh, the same university I finished uh, my business degree at. It, and I ended up working at the School of Retailing, which uh, covers all of the curriculum related to retail, any kind of liaison between our retail partners that are always looking to hire students and then also uh, run consulting projects with our master's students. So I was in charge of that arm, the consulting, uh, managing, hiring consultants and also attending different trade shows. And that's what really got me in the behind the scenes because up to this time I was on the floor, I was in school. And then while I was uh, in this new position, I realized, wow, there's so much more to retail on the business to business side. So that's really what I focus in and that's how I got started. Awesome. So it's, it's always interesting, like how you see a need, because I think that's what it, what it really takes to start your own thing. Like if, if there's something that you see a need for, and if even if there's something out there similar, or maybe there's not something out there, you're like, okay, we, I need to create a solution. So you had this experience in the retail industries and sales and working in it through from high school through college and everything. Um, and at, when you started, when you saw the need and you started to develop the retail boss, like take us through like your thought process, um, you know, and what you wanted to deliver to the community that you serve now. Yeah, so great point. Yeah, so I think I brushed over how retail boss even fits into <laughs> everything. But yeah, so while I was actually in my uh, third or fourth year, I think it was my third year in university, I, um, while I was also at the university, I was doing work um, in consulting uh, through the same center that I was later hired in after I graduated. So I was still paid. I was uh, working there, um, but I wasn't in like a high capacity management role. Uh, during my time there, I was on consulting projects and then I was also managing different teams. So what ended up happening is we started getting projects that were for smaller businesses. And at our center, we only take projects that are $15,000 or more. Um, so then we realized, wow, there's such a demand right now for a small business. And it was great about my uh, boss at the time. She allowed me to take those projects on on the side. And then during that time is when really we started to do a lot more with Retail Boss. Um, I had already done projects just on my own, but this was the first time I actually hired a team. So I hired four students who were uh, at the same, you know, taking the same classes as me at the business school. Um, you know, some can say so of my friends. And so I hired them on uh, for uh, business students in their fourth year of university. 
and they were doing projects for different type of companies, including Tulip Retail, uh, which was uh, is a POS company and uh, analytics company based in Toronto. And we were doing that as students. And I ran that through Retail Boss. So um, I would say the demand really showed that there was a demand for small businesses who needed assistance in retail. And they just couldn't uh, get that consulting fee that they needed to work with one of some of the big firms. Wow, and it's awesome that they allowed you, they said, gave you the, you know, okay to go ahead and do your own thing. Cause sometimes when you're working for a company or something like that, that doesn't always happen. So that's great you were able to do that for sure. And then, um, you know, hiring students and everything to work on a program, what were some of the, in the beginning stages of your business, what were some of the first things that you offered to small businesses? Yeah, so primarily the first thing was definitely figuring out the market. Um, and we're not talking about marketing, <laughs> which people always get, you know, uh, interchange. So I'm not talking about marketing. I'm talking about just the market research, figuring out um, if there is room for their company to grow. So we worked on a variety of projects. Um, one that I'll use, for example, is a grocery store. So as you know, there's the big grocery uh, companies, but then there's also your local groceries that are usually family owned, right? They're small businesses. So a company like that may think about expanding their operations or even uh, creating a franchise if they're so popular. Even we see this with small coffee shops. We see them become um, started small businesses, family owned, and then they become franchises because people love them so much. So what we would do is we would do market assessments to figure out where would the best spot be for them to open up another location based on uh, the sales history and postal code analysis of the people who typically buy from them. Where are they commuting from? Because Are people driving 15 minutes all the way to your coffee shop, right? Uh, and we can find out that information. And then we figure out, all right, there's a pocket here of people who really like your uh, your coffee. Maybe you might want to open something up here. Um, other things that they might also look for is shopping centers. You know, um, they might want to open up a little coffee shop in a busy um, up and coming new development, and they want to figure out, hmm, will there be enough room? Uh, for my coffee shop to survive if a Starbucks is also in this mall. If, um, you know, different kind of uh, companies are already in here, is it feasible with, um, you know, the amount of workers in this area? Are there enough, uh, you know, corporate firms of people during their lunch break who will come buy the coffee? So we'll figure that out. Um, we use a lot of different data that's already provided. We can even look at credit card data um, that you can literally anybody can do. You can buy it from a company. That's what they're really doing with your credit card information. Somebody is, you know, the companies are selling that information to people who want to know what you yourself are buying because they want to target you. Awesome. So you did the market research, basically, to really get an understanding for uh, how that, how you can help that business and the market and everything. So, so is that some of the services that you started off with, um, you and a few other students, helping businesses um, with their market research and all of those things. And now once you did the market research and the credit card reports and understood all of that, uh, what process did you take them through then? Yeah, so usually what we call these reports are market assessments. Uh, usually they're done by, you know, a variety of different brands, real estate firms, um, also, you know, tap into retail consultants and different um, consulting for retail 
on those uh, matters. So it's literally a combination of consumer behavior. So um, consumer data, uh, market data, and then the shopping behavior, right? And then of course, economics come into play. Is there supply and demand? Because maybe today, um, you know, this development might be hot, but as we're seeing now with what happened happening post pandemic with people wanting to work more from home. So let's say we came up with all of that uh, post before anything even happened, you know, pre uh, pandemic. Now, what are we going to do? Because the same analysis we might have just made about the coffee shop now may not be feasible because maybe we hear that XYZ company that's in that building is going to have 70% of their workforce working at home. So um, that information, even though we provide it once, there's always room for it to continue to be tweaked over time. So depending on the company's budget, it might be just something we look at right now, or it's a five-year plan, 10-year plan or you just keep re-looking at it, how are the numbers looking? So what this really helps the company do is figure out the best way for scaling, as well as understanding exactly that, uh, because there's only so much a small business can do, you really wanna create a company that has demand for the product right now. Because if you are just trying to, marketing is expensive, you know, so do the market research first, because marketing can, uh, the cost of, creating ads and advertisements for a market that isn't interested or is no longer in that location, uh, that can kill the business faster. So yeah, um, that's definitely something we look at and it, usually it is something that's very ongoing. Yes, um, Janelle, I could definitely see that. I know a lot of people want to start a brand, but they fail to do the market research. Like, is there a need for the product in the market? <laughs> and all of those things, or even knowing who they serve, <laughs> and all of those like who is your target market it's not everybody right so you're not serving everybody is there a need just because you see a lot of other people doing it doesn't mean this is a great business to start so i think that's wonderful that you guys were helping these businesses with that research piece because i think that's a big piece that most people wouldn't even know where to start like or how to do it for themselves and so i think that's why they miss it oftentimes for small businesses for sure yeah, definitely. Because uh, you, we always say you want to build, uh, you know, your business uh, for it's like future proof, right? You want to make sure that you're building something that's going to withstand in the future. Um, you might even do your research and figure out, you know, there's just not enough market for this company to even grow. So you're just building a company that will sustain at one location. And depending if that's just what you want, then great, that's what you'll do. But if you have, you know, goals of making a franchise or having multiple locations and you do the research up front, then maybe you might want to pivot to something else, right? Because there's different ways. You might think you want to have a coffee shop. Later, you might find it's more profitable for you to be the person who's just behind, uh, you know, uh, harvesting, you know, those, uh, the coffee beans, right? And then packaging them up. And then you do more of a wholesale model to all of the coffee shops that already exist. And just like you said, if there's a demand, because there's demand for different types of, um, you know, grades of different types, and maybe there's a gap, um, maybe they're not, there's not enough certified uh, wholesale coffee bean, you know, producers right now, and that might be something that has huge potential and there's demand for that. So we also look at that, you know, what model would be the best for you? Um, and it's really interesting because uh, once you do the market research, you might realize only a few products do really well or your wholesale does really well. And yeah, they might just cut off the retail because it's like, you know what, five years down the road, this isn't going to grow. But five years down the road, 
wholesale or, you know, maybe looking to owning our own farm, you know, overseas and doing this. And that can become something that is really valuable over five years. Right. And you can't manage what you don't track. So these are some things that every business should know and understand. And if you don't um, understand how to do the research, it's great that you guys have provided service to get some of these um, research done so you can understand it, so you can properly position yourself in the market or see, you know, well, like maybe you might have a direction that you think you're going in, like you said, and then you kind of do the research and figure out, I need to do something totally different. <laughs> right. surprised you know and you know going another direction doesn't mean it's a bad direction it's a better direction that's our job our job is to really look at not to give you bad news to give you good news you know and it's just up to you to take take it or leave it right because you know research is just one thing you know I'm sure there's many cases and we see this in consulting all the times where you might make a report and the person proves you're wrong right so it's not like you have a crystal ball at anything uh, but you can just look at past data current data um, you know market look at it and you know some things are really easy to see that it's not gonna uh, some might be a gamble and then some is a definite like you know shift or stand your ground and just try to figure out ways to maybe cut costs currently um, you know and figure out a more efficient model for something that you have that's going to be more small and sustainable and just figure out how you can maybe maximize profit over the past two years, a lot of people have decided they wanted to live their dreams, they want to start their own brand. So you're seeing more and more brands popping up. So are there any trends that you're seeing in the retail industry right now? Like, what's your take on that? Yeah, you know, there's so many trends happening. Um, what I would say is something that maybe too many people aren't talking about is the grocery industry. Uh, there is just so much room in grocery right now uh, for a small business to really get in. And there's high profit margins uh, happening there, especially in beverage as well as snacks. So I think that's something that people should really look into because um, that's retailers are really looking at ways that they can make good money. And uh, the cost on developing a lot of different kind of snack or uh, beverages is really, really low when you look at um, the units, if you can mass produce it. Um, so I would say, you know, that's really something that uh, I think a lot of uh, small businesses should look into because, you know, we're about the dollar signs, right? So if you really want to capitalize, make good margins, be able to really tell a retailer, hey, you can sell these energy drinks for, you know, $5, $7. They only cost 50 cents to make. You can, you know, keep 70% of the profit. I'll take, you know, 30%. And they go, uh, how could we say no, right? There's so much money in the table to make there. And they're like, you're going to push this. And you're like, yeah, and I'm going to get this influencer behind it. And I'm going to get that behind it and um, all of that. So I would say for the small businesses, it may not be something popular that people are talking about, but I would suggest really looking at food and beverage if you really want to kind of get into retail and scale fast. Um, other trends definitely is in beauty and skincare. Uh, uh, clean beauty has been a huge topic. So making sure your packaging is sustainable or your uh, actual product is reusable. So that's really popular. If you want to get into the beauty industry, taking that angle would be the best bet for a lot of beauty brands. Uh, make sure when you're uh, really formulating, uh, make sure it's paraben free, you know, don't test on no animals. Um, all of those things are basically standard. So uh, people can easily just uh, Google up clean beauty, uh, what that entails. And usually it has to do with the product itself, 
the packaging, and then even maybe some sourcing aspects. Uh, another thing that has been, I would say not really a trend, but something that a lot more brands are doing these days, making sure that they're certified. So if you are a black owned business, you know, making sure you get that certification that you are, there's different certifications, uh, coalitions that are out there. Same with, again, we just talked about sustainable, you can, you know, get certified that and certified that you're women owned. So all of that actually uh, matters, because um, if you're going after a supplier, um, or a retailer, um, or a distributor, somebody who's going to, you know, uh, sell your product for you or try to get you into retail, you definitely want to have as much added benefit uh, that they can, you know, use to kind of push your product. And then you can kind of get the leg up on maybe the competition because maybe that company is also has those same um, aspects, but they don't have their certification to back it up, but you already do. So if it's like neck and neck, it's, well, this person already has the 10 certifications and sustainable, this, 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 and that, you know, this, uh, this proposal just says that they do these things, who are you really going to go for? Because um, just saying things don't really work anymore. Uh, people just want it certified because nobody wants the backlash or, um, you know, the bad press if it turns out, oh, wait, there was an assumption made here um, that wasn't actually factual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is um, some great insight that you share. Like the food market is something that you know, I hadn't really I don't hear about it a lot. So I could see how it is something that that that's consumed that people can grab quickly. And the margins seem to be pretty good on that too. So the food market, and then I, I've seen a lot of people like more and more skincare brands and things of that nature. So I love that you share like getting your black owned or woman owned and all of those things can really help you stand out from other brands. So I think those were definitely some great tips. So um, how else do you help beauty brands or, or just brands in general with retail boss like I know now you guys have a membership um you provide data and information and all of these things so I want you to kind of give us like some of the other ways that you're helping people when it comes to getting into retail and all of those things yeah so I would say there's two ways so the number one way is definitely becoming a member we have a trial available as well as we have also free available as well so if you were to go to retailboss.co uh, put that into your uh, domain. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know what I call it. I literally wanted to say, just put it into Google, but <laughs> you know, everybody's just Googling everything. So just put retail boss into Google, make your life easy. And then you just click, uh, we'll come up first. You can just become a member within our membership gives you access to exclusive content. Um, even if you just subscribe to our list, you'll be uh, getting content, uh, but you won't be able to access our really like juicy stuff that is, you know, uh, expert led, but you will be able to uh, keep up to date with any kind of events or opportunities that we have going on. Uh, we also have a retail directory on our website. So uh, that covers anything, uh, product or services for business to business. So wholesale, manufacturing, packaging, um, you know, shipping, fulfillment. We have a whole bunch of uh, businesses who are in that directory. You can click that's free to uh, look at. So again, that's on our website. You just click retail directory and you can start searching and maybe find your new business bestie or figure out how to kind of create your next big idea. So we have that. Um, the second way that I assist is we are also launching our new uh, retail accelerator program. Uh, we have seen so many retail accelerators from different kind of 
um, you know, beauty brands specifically, we've seen Sephora, Target. Different cohorts and stuff they hold. I've seen that. Yeah, different cohorts. But I definitely believe that this isn't, you know, it's not rocket science information. So uh, we have uh, been putting in some time to put together our own retail accelerator. Um, and then anybody will be able to access that. So if you become a member, um, it's already going to be something that future members will have access to. So that's going to be really fun. And so then you'll be able to learn the same things because uh, in those, you know, cohorts, it's only 10 or five people. And most of those people are already ready to be into in retail. So it's almost like they're taking a refresher. Um, what we're going to be creating is something that will be accessible to anyone. Because when you are building up your brand, you should already have all this knowledge for then you're creating something that can be successful in retail from the get go. Because I see a lot of uh, brands, what happens is they create the brand, they create the formulation, but you know, the packaging wouldn't work in retail. It doesn't even fit on the shelves and the little slots is just too big. Uh, it doesn't, you know, proportion wise is not making sense the labeling isn't going to work um also the shipping and all those kind of um different things that they don't think of um even down just to the product labels is incorrect or non-existent and then they're redoing everything again and it, wouldn't it be great if you could do everything right from the beginning and then when those actual accelerators come around that already expect you to be ready you're selected. So that's really what uh, differentiates ours uh, from the ones that already kind of exist in the market. We're kind of playing to those who want to be able to get into those uh, other programs, which already guarantee you shelf space in those retailers, but it's very, very competitive and very limited. Yeah, I love that. I love that because I do find, I see a lot of those co cohorts and they do expect you to already have everything all together. Like when you read, you're like, oh, well, you know, so if you're just starting out, it might be a little overwhelming and you might not have everything you need. So I think that is great that you're offering that. Now, how can beauty brands get their products into retail stores? Can you share some ways? That they yeah, can so that? a lot of the different retailers have a, on their website, if you uh, search a supplier, um, you know, supplier agreement or supplier and then put the retailer's name, you'll get uh, usually their uh, page that leads to more supplier information. I know even like Macy's uh, updated theirs and they even have, you have to kind of submit like who your market is, what your product, what your goal is, right? So they kind of want, you know, the whole story, more of a kind of business plan when you do submit. Um, other companies have something where they just want you to kind of sign up um, through different third-party partners that they have uh, for they can easily search your product if they were interested. So I do know a few companies use uh, RangeMe, so rangeme.com. Uh, um, that is a place where they connect a lot of the brands to retailers. Um, so then that's your first kind of your first kind of starting point. But again, uh, most of the retailers uh, are going to contact you. Right. Uh, if they really like your brand, you're they're going to contact you. So one of my best uh, advice to uh, beauty brands or any kind of brands is try to get as much media coverage if, as you possibly can about your product. You know, to get into retail, it's not so much, um, you know, about the founder, really. I feel like you don't really have to focus too much on that. Focus on your product. What is your star product? What is your star line? Right. And then really uh, during those times where the media publications are looking for holiday lists, you can easily submit or try to be uh, get on one of the awards lists, right? Just submit your product, try to 
get some attention around the product, try to get influencers to try your product because retail is about the product, right? Um, I know on Instagram, we love to listen to founders and CEOs, but in retail, you're buying a product that you like and something that works. So um, I would say that would be your number one spot. Make sure your product is number one. Make sure it has all those certifications. Make sure people love it. Get those reviews up and they'll come knocking at your door. You know, I talked to a few beauty uh you know, uh, brands and I asked them, oh, like, how did that even come about? And they said, oh, you know, XYZ, you know, big retailer slid in their DMs. So that's really what wow. we're seeing more and more. Yeah. And then even, um, you know, shopping centers that we work with, uh, they talk about that they themselves do the same thing. They, they'll go into someone's DM and that's how it works. And, you know, the first thing as well is also try to get stocked at smaller boutiques and smaller um, marketplaces, you know, D to C, uh, you know, you have your website and then the next level, you should be on different marketplaces. There's Walmart marketplaces. So you can be online in all these different kind of retailers if you're approved. And then, you know, after that, you can kind of hopefully navigate more into the physical. But again, it's just about stellar product. If the more media attention, the more the retailers will notice you. A lot of them just look at the list and go, oh, what's that? If you haven't heard of Gloss Genius and are serious about improving your beauty business, I suggest you check it out. Gloss Genius has become one of the industry's leading booking, marketing, and payment apps. And it's the only one that's smart, stylish, and here to support you. Tens of thousands of independent and small teams across salons and spas nationwide trust Gloss Genius to help them run their business. We can see why. You get beautiful customized booking websites, easy clientele marketing tools, the lowest fees on built-in payments, and many more features for one low monthly price. The best part is that the Business Beauty Network listeners get 50% off your monthly subscription for the first three months. And the team at Gloss will move your client info, notes, upcoming appointments, and services over for free within a couple of days. To sign up, download Gloss Genius in the App Store and enter the code BBNGloss. That's BBNGloss. The direct link will be in the show notes. Awesome. Great tips today. I love that. I think people don't think about sometimes it's not as hard as you, you think it is. Sometimes it's just those simple things you can do, getting more press, getting yourself out there more, finding influencers to talk about your product and getting, you know, more buzz, creating a buzz about the product is really what it is. And I think once they see you already have a buzz, they're like, okay, what's this product? We need to get it here and support. So I love that. So thanks so much for sharing uh, those great tips. So uh, what are, and, um, and then I think you already gave us some tips on how you could attract the buyers with the more media and all of that too as well. So I know you have your event coming up in a few weeks. So let's talk about your event and what you're excited about with all of that. Yeah. So we have our annual startup retail summit. So for anyone who's listening to this, uh, you may miss the summit because it's just coming up this month. Uh, <laughs> But uh, we have the summit usually twice a year. So make sure you just go, you can follow it on uh, Instagram. You can go at Startup Retail 
Or again, once you become a member or just subscribe to our newsletter, you'll be kept up to date when uh, we open up the next summit again. And basically that one is for any entrepreneurs or wannabe entrepreneurs who want to start their own uh, product-based business. You know, it could be beauty, fashion, grocery, whatever it is. Uh, we have our startup retail summit that brings in a whole bunch of experts, I believe, this year we have about 17 experts oh, wow. um, across, yeah, across everything business related uh, to exactly that kind of help you figure out, you know, what might be the best lane. So we have someone who can help you create your own uh, cosmetic uh, line, right, in less than 90 days using private labeling. We have also, if you don't want to do private labeling, great. We also have an option where you can create your own cosmetic uh, formulations with one of our uh, cosmetic chemists who will be on the panel, and then you own the rights to your actual uh, formulations, right? You make something custom and create it based on whatever you want to do. You want to have this, this, and some stuff from Jap Japan, whatever you want, she can make it happen. Uh, then we also have for fashion, you know, uh, how to create your own line from scratch, right? And how to use, you know, uh, LA-based uh, design uh, companies. And also we have from New York, also another um, apparel design company. So we have all that then covering everything, you know, business, legal, accounting that you would need to know from the get-go. And I'll also be sharing some more advice on, you know, what how, what it really takes to get into retail because the job doesn't stop when you get in and uh, it just keeps going from there. But what I always tell people is, you know, think long-term, always think retail, even if you don't want to be in a retail store, the same, rules are going to apply if you want to, you know, open up your own storefronts or open up different kiosks or really do it all yourself. You're still going to have to understand retail and what moves in retail uh, if you want to succeed. Now, since you help a lot of brands get into retail and start up their brands, um, can you share like some things that you see that most small companies miss out on like give us like a few things that they miss out on that you just really want to encourage them up or give them some advice for yeah i would say that a lot of small businesses um i feel like are really already good at the branding i think a lot of businesses are so good at branding their website even the uh product photography is getting really really good there's so many tools I feel like, you know, if you need a photographer for your brand, it's across the street, right? Like it's such a different time that we're living in. Think about like 10 years ago, if you wanted someone to take photos of your clothing line, they might be like, huh? Like, <laughs> I just feel like it's just so the norm now, like so many creatives, so many people to make different things. Even you, you can make your own campaign like it during the weekend with a videographer and get a couple models. It, it's so surreal. So I would say that uh, with small business, I see they're really good very creative, um, you know, great at all of those different kinds of creative aspects. But again, the business side is where it continues to lack, right? Um, because anyone can register the business, anyone can file something, you know, your trademark, great, you know, everything looks cute and fun. But then the sales are lacking, the packaging isn't the best, the delivery takes too long, all the actual aspects on creating something that can really scale, maybe lacking. So again, I would just say, uh, always focus on the product, make sure you have a stellar product, because I feel like marketing and branding these days is quite easy. It's not too hard to do. And even if you, you know, do your first campaign, and it doesn't hit, it's easy enough to 
get someone to make you a new campaign and continue to A-B test. But, um, you know, if you don't have a good product or something that's in demand that people want, all of that uh, doesn't really matter. So sometimes I see great path, like great uh, advertising, a model, and then I go to the product and it's not really anything that extraordinary. It's just kind of like a money grab. You think you're like, oh, that's all it is. It's just mm -hmm. seaweed. Like, I don't know. It's like, I need more. It's like, you did so much and this is all I get. Like, so it's just like, make something really good. Even have a higher price point. Um, just make something really good and unique. And then I think everything else is kind of easy. But yeah, I think there's a reverse happening where people do a lot of marketing branding, but they're, they're pushing a product that isn't that, that isn't that great. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, just making sure the quality is there on the product for sure, right? And um, so what are some suggestions to find out if like, how would you test the market to see and to learn um, if you have the right product? Yeah, so usually what we see, at least in market reachers, this is what they do with focus groups. So um, the, what usually you do is you'll test out different, uh, different campaigns or different kind of packaging for a week or and then for another week. Uh, we've even seen, you know, brands will create two Instagram accounts with two different business names if they're still trying to figure out what business name and, and color and kind of post and see which one's kind of gaining more attention and sales. It's so interesting that those things really matter. As we all know, you know, in beauty, if you have pink packaging, um, you know, purple packaging, usually those push really fast, right? Those will sell out fast. So there's even color strategy to picking what would be best. And it just is what it is, right? You can't really uh, change. If you're trying to compete, you know, your competitor is going to do what people want. And what are you going to do? You're going to want to be different. But when the sales aren't really getting there, then you're going to want to do the same. So I would say there's already ways that you can look at what products are doing. Uh, what, what's great with Shopify, if anybody has Shopify account, you can see what products are pushing more or less. Same with, you know, posting on Instagram, you can see this got 100 likes, this got nothing. Right. So again, I feel like testing out is so easy these days on the marketing and branding side. Um, but again, the market research side of it on the actual product is the problem, because what if someone buys it and then they never want to buy it again? Right. Um, you cannot scale with people not repurchasing it. Right. Your email list is almost doesn't matter because no one's going to care. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing that I always see. So yeah, I would just say, again, uh, it's hard to uh, test your product till people are actually have it in their hands. So you could also do a lot of different um, market events. I know Essence always has, you know, you could be a vendor, be a vendor with different kind of market shows. And then, yeah, check out the competition. Are they selling out more than you? right? Then you can see something there. Or are people saying stuff about your product? Maybe have testers out if you're doing different kind of trade shows. So I feel that trade shows is also a good way to see, um, you know, if people like it, if people stop. So I think that's one of the greatest things. If you already have to have something that people are stopping, if you have to have someone go up there and go, hey, 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 buy this, buy this, okay, we got, we got a lot of problems happening here because that's already marketing. And then what if your marketing is great and people look at the product and it's like, what? So yeah, 
(laughs) So there's a lot of moving pieces, but for what you're saying is it sounds like there's been so much information in the industry about how to market your product. It is so much easier now. Like you could probably, you know, buy a camera and watch a few YouTube videos and learn how to take your own product shots. Right. But it's not, it's more to it than just marketing and all of that is really making sure you have a great product that people really want. (laughs) Exactly. As you know, and like I said, even my major in school was marketing. And then I have um, a certificate in real estate, uh, more on like the commercial side of things from, from university. And yeah, like I say, marketing is easier than ever today. I'm like, oh my gosh, you don't need to hire like anyone to do it. You could do it yourself. Yeah. You see a lot of the like fashion brands that are doing really good, especially like the black owned ones that are doing great great they're the model is the founder mm-hmm. right of the company modeling their own clothing right and I'm like wow what a different you know era that we're in um and then the the only difference the only difference on why they do well is because they have a good product when people buy it it actually looks good on it does what it's, it's gonna do and more so if you can just get nail that I think the marketing stuff is the easy part. That's why everybody can teach on it because everybody can do it. So <laughs> I would just say, yeah, um, market research, demand, product formulation. Uh, we, I actually just uploaded another, um, you know, uh, educational video that's for members only, but um, it's all about how to do your own product development uh, by a lady who got her first product into QVC and sold over a million products. And it was just some um, really simple, I think it was like something for like your bra. Uh, so simple. And she's developed three products. And in that little uh, one hour video, she goes over um, how you can do it, her three-step process on how you come up with an idea and then test the idea and then, you know, pitch it to QVC and different kind of networks. And yeah, no marketing even really happens till they kind of accept the product, right? So mm-hmm. there's so many different ways where it really is more product specific and um yeah exactly that create something that is missing something unique what about product patents and things of that nature is that something that you guys assist with as well yeah so even in that video she goes over uh the patent how it's done uh we do have a different kind of lawyers who go over a few different things but again the thing about um getting information on um you know, um, patents or this or this, um, it's hard for lawyers to really say because they can't really give out legal advice um, unless it's specific with a client, right? You tell them exactly because imagine they say something, da, 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 you go do it, it doesn't work, you know, they could be held mm-hmm. liable. So I would say uh, at least in our education area, we have, you know, some attorneys in there. Uh, we just uploaded one from a California attorney on uh, how to protect your business entity, your brand name. Um, then we also have, um, you know, on Instagram, her Instagram is the brand attorney. And she has something that she goes over, you know, the differences between uh, patents, copyright, all that kind of good stuff. Um, what, you know, a utility patent is like versus the other like types of patents that are out there and how good they are for, um, but again, that's as much information that you can really get. Um, once you create that product, you know, I think the main thing is an NDA. Um, if you are creating something from scratch, so anyone you talk to, make sure they sign a non-disclosure agreement. You know, mm-hmm. that's the best route to go. I do know that to get a patent takes a long time. <laughs> Sometimes a trademark yeah. takes a long time. Uh, you can triple that for, uh, you know, 
a patent. And usually patents are only good for a set amount of years, right? So um, unless it's something like so revolutionary, um, you might have a, a problem there. So yeah. Awesome, awesome. Well, this has been very uh, insightful. So I want to, uh, you know, last year, ask you the last few questions before we wrap up. So tell us what's your overall mission, Janelle, with Retail Boss. Yeah, I would say our number one mission is to become the number one retail publication in the world. <laughs> yeah, awesome. We have big goals. Yeah, um, we find that in retail, there are a few publications um, that are out there, but they only really cover, um, you know, the big Fortune 500, you know, uh, retailers, right? And, you know, who needs to hear the same boring story about Walmart's new, you know, <laughs> box in their, in their fulfillment center? Like, there's more exciting things happening in retail. So we really cover, you know, more modern topics, um, you know, up and coming independent brands, you know, new, uh, exciting, uh, you know, news that is happening in trends that is relevant in just like not only, um, you know, physical retail, but also online uh, retail, you know, D2C, which is uh, direct to consumer. That's really hot, which just basically means um, a brand that isn't in any kind of retail store and they just sell directly to their own customers through whatever means, website, trade shows, whatever it is. And so we cover all of that because retail is just so interesting. I just love all these new uh, exciting brands. I, you know, it's so inspirational to share about brands, uh, you know, of people who are like the same age as you. I'm like, this is insane. Like, and we're the only ones covering it still, you know, those other uh, retail publications uh, do not cover, um, you know, a lot of these brands because in their eyes, you're not big enough. But uh, yeah, we're just changing the face of retail, you know, one step at a time. We definitely make sure we promote Black owned, Latina owned, Asia Pacific, anyone uh, who is doing uh, innovative and exciting things in retail today is covered by our publication. And again, we love to share different kind of experts in the industry from all different backgrounds with all different uh, expertise. We have people from Africa to Ethiopia to Dubai to, you know, US and I'm actually Canadian. So there's just so many of us and we just bring everybody together. And yeah, that my biggest goal is just to make sure retail is no longer boring. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That is awesome. So tell us what has been the biggest lesson that you've learned on your entrepreneurial journey thus far? Yeah, I would say the biggest lesson I have learned is just to make sure you um, pick pick something that you enjoy doing, um, you know, every day. I've always said that, you know, to create a good business is one thing, but to create a business that you enjoy is another thing. So you might want to figure out which one you want to do because, yes, you can make a business that, you know, and find something that's going to be very profitable and going to make a lot of money. But again, with a lot of money, a lot of work, right? Or you can figure out something that, you know, you're more passionate about, you enjoy doing, um, and has the potential to make a lot of money, but it's not guaranteed, right? Both are going to take a lot of work, but one may be more enjoyable, depending on what you put your value in. If you want to have, um, you know, if you want different things uh, other than, than what you think money can provide. So I think there's two different types of, you know, you have the business owner and then you have the entrepreneur. I think the entrepreneur is a little bit more idea. They're going to create something out of nothing. They're going to create something new, something that maybe, you know, they have a vision for that they got to kind of get people behind. 
And I think that's really exciting. And then there's also the business owner, right? Which may be someone who, yeah, is more profit driven and they want to make franchises and they just want to, you know, if this isn't moving on to the next thing. And I think in business, you actually need both people. So, you know, you have your CEO and you have your CFO and COO, right? The operations, the finance, and then you got the head. So, you know, if we think about like Steve Jobs and stuff like that, you know, more of a visionary, all that kind of stuff, who knew, you know, not, there's not that many phone companies that really succeed out here. I'm sure many people have tried and we only have, you know, the top five or 10, right? Um, so we really think about it, you know, the, the odds aren't really in his favor. So he definitely picked something that he was definitely passionate about, you know, computers and uh, phones. So definitely, and it ended up working out. And then you may have to bring people, well, I would say you do, you need to bring people on your team who are better at the number crunching. Oh, that's a great idea. But we're going to do this because it makes more money. <laughs> and so I would say as an entrepreneur, just understand which one you are, because you may have, and you may be the money hungry one, but maybe you need to bring on someone on your team who's more creative, right? And can connect more with your audience. You need both. So I would say as an entrepreneur, I've learned that there is space for both kinds. And I think every business needs a combination of the two. So I really like businesses that have multiple co-founders because I definitely think, you know, uh, two is better than one. Awesome, awesome. So where do you go for motivation? Like you're so busy, you got retail boss and all the things that you're doing. How do you stay motivated? Yeah, I think to stay motivated, you just have to be self-motivated because everything is not going to go your way. <laughs> you know, we all know that we can all hope for the best, which we do, but you have to learn just to be positive uh, through the ups and downs. And you also always have to have faith that things are going to work out in the end. Uh, everything is just temporary, right? So even success, even failure, right? Um, I think there's a quote about, you know, uh, I well, the quote sounds better than what I'm going to come up with, but it's something along the lines of, you know, failure is never, you know, um, permanent, like it's never something that is a permanent thing, right? Um, so same thing with success, success, though, it's never permanent, right? Everything's up and down. Um, you might have, you know, a couple years where it's and other years where it was and I think uh, motivation just has to be internal because there's so many things you cannot control, right? We saw this with the pandemic. You could not control if your store had to close. You could not control so many things. And then, yeah, I would just say the only thing you can control is your own mindset. So motivation, I think this comes from within, you know, stay healthy, make sure you take care of yourself. You know, even if your business isn't doing that great today, at least maybe you went for a 10K run, you had that, uh, that fruit drink, you lost a couple pounds, you gained a little bit of muscle this week. Right, not so sad after all, because the business isn't everything. So uh, yeah, balance, personal life, uh, business life. Yeah, will definitely help your mindset. Mm -hmm. uh, so I didn't ask you the first question. I always ask everybody, so I'm gonna ask you now and then we're gonna wrap up. But tell us something about yourself that most people would not know. <laughs> you know what? I think there's so much that people don't know because I'm very private. You know, uh, I only post about my business. Um, like I said, what people probably don't know is that I am Canadian, right? I think that's probably the main um, thing here. So, you know, I, I've been to the States numerous times and whenever I interact with people, 
they tell me that I don't really have an accent. Some people think I do. Some people don't <laughs> think I do. Uh, but I think that's usually the most, um, you know, a surprising thing to most people that, yeah, I'm Canadian and I'm just always in the States and I just have so many friends and I just know so many people over there. Um, yeah, another thing is, you know, I've been to Africa, you know, I've been to every continent uh, except for Australia. Uh, favorite place I've traveled is China. Um, so yeah, I would just say, you know, those are a few things that people may not know. Yeah, kind of a globetrotter. Um, you know, I most of the places that I have gone, I went solo. So, you know, I've always, you know, my friends are always messaging me on travel advice. So I'm pretty good at that. And yeah, that's, that's probably about it. Oh, <laughs> all that <I've> been <laughs> well, thanks for sharing. Hey, that's interesting. Thanks for sharing. I, I would love to see, you know, Africa for sure and China. So, so that sounds awesome. And you went on these trips by yourself. Yes. Wow. You know, China is just great, you know, wholesale hub. And then when you're there, you can also go visit Hong Kong. So yeah, really great. You can travel around to all the different provinces that they have over there because they, they have provinces just like Canada. Unlike, you know, US, you guys like to have your states. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, you can take the train, you can take overnight trains where you sleep. Um, they have the bullet trains. It's really, really, really cool over there. You know, over there, they use QR codes for everything. Uh, when I tried to pay for my coffee, um, the lady was, uh, you know, had this little device and I, did, I was looking at her like, mm, well, here's the money. And she was shocked. <laughs> they would not accept my money. Uh, they needed me to have some kind of QR code on um, WeChat, which is kind of like WhatsApp, but WeChat is for, uh, you know, over there in China, they use to communicate. But I guess also in there, you got some QR code. And then that QR code, you know, it's like your Apple wallet, like the equivalent, right? But they already mm -hmm. had that because that was years ago when I was in China. I was in 20, whew, 2018 or 2017. Um, so yeah, they already had that technology, right? Which, you know, took, you know, more time for the West to catch up. But um, yeah, which, uh, yeah, I ended up getting a free coffee out of it and they didn't mind. <laughs> they were so nice to me. And the lady even went and got me flowers. They gave me flowers with my coffee because she wow. felt bad that I felt bad. <laughs> Wow, that's awesome. Flowers with your coffee. I love it. Yeah, it's so sweet. And yeah, I have no bad things to say about, you know, China. I just had, I had a great time in Africa. Yeah, I, I went to Kenya, went uh, during the migration. Um, so I got to see all the animals and everything. It was amazing. Yeah, definitely something I checked off my bucket list. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing, Janelle. It's been so great uh, connecting with you and learning more about you and Retail Boss. I really appreciate your time today. Do you have anything, last words or parting words you would like to share with us before you go? Yeah, I would just say, yeah, thank you again for having me. I enjoyed the discussion. For anyone here who, again, is interested in retail, whether it is that you want to get into retail, start your own business, or you're just, you know, one of those retail enthusiasts. You just like to keep up with uh, what's happening in the news and trends. You can follow us on Instagram at Retail Boss. Uh, it's the same at Retail Boss on any social media handle. And then you can find us on uh, web on our website, retailboss.co. And you can just sign up to our newsletter or become a member to access our exclusive content. Awesome. Janelle Everado, everybody, the retail boss. As always, stay great and we are out. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. Make sure you subscribe. 
check us out on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. I want to hear from you. Email me at info at businessbeautynetwork.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at I am Brandy Taylor and Facebook at I am Brandy Taylor. I want to connect with you, so let's stay connected. And remember that all things are possible if you only believe. Stay great.